Hello to everybody with fresh new Nikes. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, a phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. It's Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. I'm telling you, I just got off the phone with the caller you're about to hear. This one is, you know, something really special. Before we get into it, I want to say thanks to everybody for the kind feedback. Uh, last week we had a, our episode with a teacher of autistic children who along the way realized that she was autistic. The feedback to that one meant so much. I, I've had people reach out to me to say they were autistic and they appreciated it parents of autistic people in the Facebook group there were people kind of debating different forms of therapy that were mentioned and people talking about their relatives and, and different things they've had to deal with but all of it was so beautiful and thoughtful and respectful and uh, thank you to everybody who responded to that episode I have a feeling a lot of people are going to respond to this one as well our caller is a Syrian refugee and that's a phrase that I bet a lot of us have heard over the past, you know, decade. But I wonder how many people have heard that story in the person's own words. I mean, this is as human a look at, at this, you know, worldwide issue as I think you can get. A caller's 18 years old. This was her childhood. She tells us all about it and and she is so eloquent in doing so that I just did my best, especially you'll hear the first half of the call. I just tried to shut up and get out of the way. And the phrase refugee has been divisive all over the world. It's it's met with all sorts of strong reactions, what should be done, who should be allowed into what countries. And I just really hope that no matter where you land on that, that you can listen to this story, take a deep breath, and remember that it's not theoretical, that these are people and they're people who are put upon and protecting themselves, protecting their families. And I say it in the course of the call, I don't care where you land politically, just listen to this one and remember that it's about compassion. I beg you, enjoy the call. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, this feel weird. <laughs> I've been listening for a long time, and now I'm actually talking. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to the show, and I'm glad we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> you had asked how I'm doing. The answer on a broad level is good. It's good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. oh, how's things going where you are? Good. Things are good. Yeah, Yeah. things are good and quiet, which helps make it feel normal. Cal should be saying words and he's not really bothering. And we've got, we've heard that maybe because he's not around other kids as much as he should be, that he's maybe holding back. So I don't know. There's always something to worry about. I just read, I was a talking head in a documentary about an amusement park I uh, went to as a kid. And in, Inexplicably, they referred to me as a likable C-lister and a small-time comedian. So I was like, oh, okay, so that's exactly where my head's out at one fourteen p.m. on August twenty seventh. How about you? How are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty great, actually. I'm starting college next uh, week. I'm gonna be a freshman in college. Nice, congrats! Um, thank you. So pretty excited, been preparing for it and spending my last week in summer enjoying it. That's good. And we talk in uh in person or virtual? Uh what do you mean in person or virtual? Like are you going into the actual oh, classroom oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. or are you doing yeah. it online? I'm doing hybrid. So I'm hybrid. gonna be commuting. Um oh. yeah. And uh, I'll be taking two classes on campus and the rest is gonna be online. Um, I decided to stay at home rather than living on campus. Um, but yeah, it will be two hour commute. That's the problem. Each <laughs> One way. way. Yes. Because of, uh, the whole thing 
that been going on. Um, they made it longer, usually one hour. Yeah. So that's what, um, been so kind of uh, worried about that bit. So you, yeah. you have to drive two hours to get to school and then two hours back. I'm going to be using the train because oh, if I drop, if it. I drive, um, it's in a Boston area. So you know how crowded that is yes. with traffic yes. and stuff. So, so yeah. you're taking an, an Amtrak to school and an Amtrak home. Yes. Like, like Joe Biden after the Senate taking the Amtrak home. <laughs> well, um, I might sound, do I sound, I sound nervous. I don't know. I'm kind of nervous, but you do. Um, you do sound nervous. the topic I am going to talk about is usually something I don't really talk about as much. Uh, it's something that um, really changed my life a lot. And um, some way I grew stronger, but also it's kind of, I don't like the empathy feeling sometimes because when I told the story once, I felt like, I don't know, it just it was weird. So I usually don't talk about it, but uh, I think it's a, a story that people should know at least. Uh, because it's not only my story, it's a story of thousands of people. And yeah, so I'm kind of nervous because I'm not talking only about me, I'm talking about a bunch of other people's stories, you know. Well, I'm really intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of a lead-in. I can't imagine what we're about to talk about. So I'm 18 years old, but... Um, I have lived in probably six different countries. Um, I had to move a lot when I was a child. Um, I'm from Syria. Uh, and, you know, the situation there, it's not pretty good. And what I'm talking about today is um, my experience there and maybe me moving here or how did I come here and how it changed me in some way. Um, um, yeah, so I was born in Saudi Arabia, which is, um, uh, where my dad used to work. And, um, when I was in first grade, I moved to Syria and just two years later, or maybe one and a half years later, the whole war started. And, um, uh, it was very tough times because my city was where the whole thing started. And... Yeah. So after, I don't know, should I talk about the details? I don't know how to leave it. <laughs> I don't know what, how should I, uh, anyway. And then I had to experience a lot of things, but um, I had to move to the capital and then we moved to Lebanon and then we moved to Egypt Then we moved and then things happened. Um, and then we moved to the U.S. as a refugee. Um, but I'm going to talk about the war portion, I guess. Um, yeah. You said the war portion? Yeah, I guess. The, my experience at that time. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I know about Syria is that it's incredibly brutal. There was a dictator, I believe, and yeah. I know I know that uh, I have a friend who's a pro wrestler named Sami Zayn, who's uh, he's got Syrian roots, and he's been helping. He's been raising a lot of money for like mobile hospital units because there's no hospitals yeah. available for people. So that's a fact. Outside of that, I am a I am an ignorant American as to as to the war and what it was. It's okay. Why exactly I, it erupted? What happened? Um, I'm, I don't like to go into politicals, so you will see me not talking a lot about it. But um, so what happened is in my city, um, people, graduates, ages, I would say 12 to 30, were going out and protest. And I remember I was young and I was watching from the top 
Um, we saw Egypt uh, were successful with getting freedom and having more job opportunities. And I don't know, unless that someone wanted to do the same. And um, the thing is, the graduates were not, even if you graduated as a doctor, you can't find a job. Even if you graduate, just because of your religion or your background or whatever it is, if you don't have money, if you don't have connection, network, you can't get a job. It's really hard. You need a lot of community, like a lot, you have to pay a lot of money if you want to get a decent job, which is like, what's the point of it? You know, if you're paying money and then you're not, you're getting a job that will pay you back that money. And in, I don't know how many years. So people were graduating, but then does not, don't have a job. And uh, I'm talking about not regular degree. I'm talking about doctors, engineers, all those, you know, like people should find a job right away from these degrees, but they were not. So they tried to go into peaceful protest. And I think that was my first um, time I see something called tank. Um, or I would say just weapon in general, and um, the forces from the military uh, start shooting at a peaceful protest, and it was their first time going up. And um, I remember my mom was screaming, telling me to lower my head, and I was on the balcony, and then I remember seeing my dad and father. My dad was, there was women's, and there was, bunch of people I remember seeing like my family like my dad his sister um my brother on his shoulder um my grandpa was with them and um the whole shooting just started and then everyone started running a bunch of people died um at that point I still did not know what's going on I was only uh a, sec- a third grader in the third grade um Things started happening, started seeing things on news. I still did not get what was going on. As a child, I always heard my parents, and uh, I had this bad habit of listening to what they're talking about and trying to figure it out. I'm the oldest, so I, you know, tried to see what's going on. And uh, I remember my dad talking to my mom, telling them we need to move the kids to a closer school because they used to go to a really far school. And then after I finished school, we used to go to my grandma's house me and my brother who's younger than me and then my dad would come and pick us up but they decided to move us to closer school and by that time I was in the middle of third grade maybe in the in the maybe first quarter end of first quarter we don't have quarters we have semesters but um in the middle of the first semester so um we moved to a closer school and the first time I actually realized what was happening is when um, kids from my school um, had to die due to a shooting. And I'm not talking about a regular shooting where someone come in and shoot people. I'm talking about two people fighting in my, two groups of people fighting in my school. And it was so scary. Um, I had to, I don't know, it's just, I was in testing my midterm, I think. And um, I was taking a religion class uh, midterm, I think. And then I heard things and screams outside. I started looking from, I was in the hallway and there was a lunch break. It was not, I was not part of them, but, and I was looking from the window of the hallway and then I saw kids like literally just pawing and I saw my friend, trying to wake up her brother, telling him, wake up, like, you know, and I remember just that whole scene. It's like, there's a bunch of blood next to him, and I'm talking about a middle elementary school. And um, then my gym teacher came and and pulled me on his shoulder, and and then I started freaking out after I saw that scene. Where's my brother? Where's my own brother? I started looking around for him, but then they did not let me go. They took me to the basement. But then um, I felt kind of guilt. I can't find my brother. I started thinking of a bunch of scenarios. What if he was outside? What's going on? He was one year younger than me. But, um, yeah. And then um, my dad came to pick us up. Actually, not my dad, but a friend of my dad 
came and he found me and then I told him I can't find Farhan, I can't find my brother. And then um he looked for him with me and it turned out he was hiding in the teacher's um rooms, kinda like a kitchen thing. He was hiding there and then um since then we did not went to school and that's when I first realized that there's something serious going on. And um, as a third grade, I did not really know, like, the whole political things. I just knew that there were bad people trying to kill us, you know. Um, we stopped going to school, but then all of a sudden, every other day, people come in our house trying to, uh, they ask us for, like, um, they want to, like, look around and search and stuff like that. And um, I understood a lot by then, a lot of things that they used to come with their weapons. Um, they can steal whatever they want. Um, if they found a Band-Aid in your house, they will say you're a terrorist. Um, they would say you're trying to help the terrorist people, and um, they would probably, like, arrest you or something. Um they don't care if you're an old person or if you're young. I remember hearing stories about um, like neighbors next to us that they used to go in and just flutter them or stuff like that. And um, it was very hard to, I did not hear about them when I was young, but I remember seeing it on the news and all that stuff. My parents tried not to talk about it, but I was aware of everything around me. Um, my parents refused to move for a long time, but um, during that time, my brother got hurt. There was no hospitals. Sometimes when we went to our aunt hospital, uh, our aunt wedding, it happened to be a wedding for my aunt. Um, I remember seeing them bombing the hospital. And then my dad almost made an accident. And there was like a bunch of um, those things that make your ears, uh, your eyes tears. I don't know what they call explosions thing. Um, oh, like tear gas or like pepper yeah, spray? Yeah, like tear gas. They, yeah, they used to do it like literally in the middle of the street and people used to, like, to just make a bunch of accidents and stuff. But thanks God we never got into an accident by that. But my aunt's wedding got ruined. Um, things like that. Just small. My brother, as I said, got hurt. His head, he was my little one. He was only two years old. Um, and you know, as a tear years old is like uh their head their brain is not fully formed they can't they hit it's not like strong you know their skeleton and stuff so if they got hurt on there it might cause damage like a big damage and um i remember like we tried to go outside and then they start shooting you know as long as as soon as i set the foot outside i heard a bullet you know just in front of me and um we could not go, but likely our neighbor was uh, a nurse. And even when we used to need to pray, uh, we were, like, you know, we go to the masjid and we pray. Uh, you know what they did? They opened holes through the walls, through the buildings to go pray, you know, because they, there's no way out. And um, like when my dad needed to go out, get food or something, I don't know if he's coming back. I was just, you know, say, by daddy and I kiss him and everything and then I don't know if he's coming back you know we used to ask ourselves like why is he late something happened to him we used to hear a bunch of things hide under beds it won't protect us it's just my mom would make us maybe feel a little more secure um especially when dad is not home and stuff like that um in the morning we used to go out collect bullets um from my like balcony or like the 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 backyard we had um we used to collect bullets and I me and my brother had a big 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 collection that we named it and we used to hide it um things like that and then as I said my parents never really wanted to move until one thing really bad happened um they bombed the house next to us and um I know that family I used to play with their kids. The two kids who are my age lost their feet. The baby went missing. The mother died 
and the father went crazy. And that was scared my mom, like something might happen to our family. It was just right next to us. If it was mistaken by one milliliter, it would have hit our house. Truly terrifying stuff. Truly terrifying stuff. I'm going to take a second, digest that. Show has ads. We all know that. It's time for those ads. We'll be right back. Thank you so much to all of our advertisers who support the show, allow the show to happen, allow me to bring stories like this to the world. Let's get back to this very gripping tale. If it was mistaken by one milliliter, it would have hit our house. That's how close it was. Um, so that's when we made the decision to move, but my dad did not move with us. He stayed back and we moved to the capital where my mom's family is but um yeah i mean after that we stayed in the capital for like a few months we lost connection with dad or when we used to call him we used to hear the noises that we used to hear where it's like and then you would think it might fall on top of you you might think that like you feel like the whole house is like shaking and the whole thing might just fall on you at any second and you don't know what's going to happen. And um, that's the only times like we got to hear, talk to him or something. And we lost like really a lot, a long time connection with him for six months, probably. But then we lost hope. We're like, he's not coming. He's, he's gone. Um, my mom did not know what to do with three kids. Um, so one day, someone knocked on the door and I think that moment made me forget everything I've been through and I talked about very minor things but um, it made me forget every everything I went through before uh, I saw my dad and I stopped I cannot talk like I saw my dad and I was in a sh- shock that I was able to talk I was saying ma and I was breathing heavily. I could not even scream. I told my mom to come. And it was my dad with my grandparents. And um, it was just the best moment probably in my life until now, I think. Most grateful, I would say. Um, but yeah, do you have any questions? <laughs> well, That's so far. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I mean, so many. And... I want you to just keep telling the story in your way. I mean, my, my first reaction is that uh, it's really incredible for you to share because, you know, for years now, right? Like a number of years yeah. now, this this idea of-, of or nine years now. You've been, you, your family's been dealing with this for nine years. And, you you know, the word refugee has taken on- all this emotional mm-hmm. meaning for people. And, you know, famously Europe, a lot of countries were rejecting refugees, a lot of turmoil about refugees. In the U.S., a lot of resentment. And you hear about, really? you hear about people yeah. at the borders who should be able to legally declare themselves as refugees, having it yeah. stopped, being, being held and detained. And uh, I just would say listening to you is the most human i most human conversation i've heard from my perch in uh in the safety of the new jersey suburbs that that's 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 one on one and, and uh it's just immediately like you hear a story like this and it stops being theoretical and the two questions that come to my mind are like if your family was in that situation what would you do of course you're going to leave and if if people from your neighborhood, from your community, aren't the exact type of people that refugee laws were created for, then are is the Western world really what it says it is? You know, like yeah. is is it what it says it is? If these are people who get rejected or have to fight so hard to uh, honestly find a safe harbor, everyone want to survive in this world. 
everyone want to look. Sometimes people don't notice that, but I had me and my siblings like figure it out since we were very young. That the most important thing is the feeling that you're safe. You know, there is if you don't have that sense of feeling, oh, I'm safe. There is someone who's gonna protect me. Um, you know, no one's gonna come and ask me to to do something or take my father away or take my family away. That's the sense of it's more important than hunger. I we passed by times where we did not have a piece of bread to eat. Where we did not have a piece of bread to eat. We we used to eat I don't know, uncooked spaghetti with like just nothing with it. Seriously, it, we passed by times, but those were not as big as when those were not as important as us not feeling the sense of safety. And honestly, when you left, um, we left, I'm going to talk about this very shortly, but we went to Egypt and from Egypt, we lost our pass. We did not lost them. They got stolen our passport. And that's how we got into the UN. And that's how they bring us to America. But here in America, people, I, when I was in middle school, I came in seventh grade. So when I was in middle school, sometimes people tell you, oh, um, ISIS are here, or oh, I, I have heard those comments so many times, or oh, um, ignorant comments, or something like, oh, you hear someone saying you need to go back to your country or something. Well, there's nothing like I have a country anymore. I don't really have a country anymore. Like, I don't have any place out of all the six places I lived in. I don't prefer to live in any place. I don't live in a place where it's safe, where my family is around. And Honestly, people don't realize that, but if you're that kind of person that you're very ignorant and you just don't know anything and come to me telling me that whatever, just because of my headscarf, I'm part of ISIS or whatever, you should know that ISIS are the one who took my home away. You should know that ISIS are the one that took my family away and that took something very important for me, which is childhood away. So... People should not assume things like that just based on what people are wearing. And I feel that's very common, something common in the USA where they don't know and they just judge you based on whatever you are, skin color or headscarf or whatever it is, you know. Well, it's sickening. It's sickening because, you know, you're saying that this is other kids. This is, I I believe you said middle schoolers. And it's like, first story. is not comparable. My story is not as, you know, as like, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, I think it's the, the lowest level of, you know, of being hurt. That's my story. My story yeah. is a, a, a story of thousands, millions of kids or families. There's families that uh, used to skip by sea. Like, you know, they don't mind ground, drowning because drowning is is more human than being killed, than, than having someone point a gun at you, at a kid. So their father, you know, say what something that they want to hear, you know, like, oh, I'm an ISIS or whatever it is, you know, they want to hear or I'm part of whatever, you know, group. It, it, it's more human to drown. That's That's how... It is, like, honestly. It's just so sad. It's just unimaginable. And especially to hear that American kids would say things like that. Because it's, it, it's, first of all, that means that, you know, if kids are that young, first of all, they're hearing that from their parents. They're hearing that from adults. Yeah. So this is being passed down, this ignorance. And then it's also, mm-hmm. to me, it's like, like, we don't realize how good we have it. We take it so for granted and we get so stressed out. And, and, and certainly right now, I also want to say this. Right now, there's a lot of turmoil and there are people who don't have it good in America. I'm aware yeah. of that. But any kid yeah. who would tell you, hey, go back to your home country, ISIS is here, is like probably also someone where it's like, you know, you get to go home today and play your Xbox on Twitch and you have brand new Nikes. Like, why? Why? Yeah. 
why lash out at a at a world of people who have so little? And there there are groups in America that have the same experience. I want to be sure that I say yeah. that, that it's not a great place yeah. for everybody, but that yeah. ignorance is maddening because in general we have so much here. And like you said, yeah. we, have, we have historically a sense of safety here, and that is slipping lately. Which that it must be so hard for you to see as I bring it up. You yeah. came from a place where protests turned into violence, and that turned into chaos, and that turned into you having to flee. It must be really scary in a specific way for you to see a lot of the violence and protests and counter protests right now. That must be so hard to, to get to America. That's right. So it's like we thought sense. America is the first time I heard the word racism or I learned what racism was, was in America. The first time, um, honestly, it's, it's like we all, part of America. My aunt was a great fan of America. I mean, she used to tell me that her dreams is to go live in America, the place of freedom or whatever it is. But honestly, thinking about it now, it's not really, you know, people struggle here too. People struggle everywhere, honestly. But also, I learned something very important that um, I think now if someone throw those words to me like, oh, ISIS are here, go back to your country, whatever. I won't really get mad or offended anymore. Like, as a child, maybe I was, yes, because I was just very, just, I was just, I just came out of this whole situation. And then you coming to me and telling me that, that was really, it really hurt. Like, when a kid told me that, I went to the cafeteria. And when I opened the door cafeteria, I was late. Everyone stared at me. I mean, something normal, you know? But the way I felt was like, Everyone's staring at me and looking at me like, and that it really messes up with a child's mental health, you know. And I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just I don't blame them anymore, honestly. Like, if they don't know, like, they don't know that when they come pretending that they know, that's when I blame them. And I blame the adults. I don't blame the kids, you know. They're, they just hear from their parents, you know. But as a young child, I used to really get offended and cry a lot and no. Of course. And and it's in one sense what you're saying is inspiring because um you know, you're saying that that you've hit a point where you're able to take a deep breath and realize, okay, the ignorance of these people is not the worst problem I've dealt with and I'm stronger than it. But it's also so sad that you have to get desensitized to that. Cause these kids if obviously a, a kid is not going to turn around and say this, but if, if, if you ever sat down and explained to them, Hey, you know, my next door neighbor, um, those, those kids were maimed for life and lost a parent and the other parent lost his mind and we're never going to know what happened to them. So please stop making fun of me. It's just so, I try to be an optimist in this world. I try to be an optimist yeah. in this world, but we make it so hard. Sometimes for I forget my own story. Who am I to blame others when I forget what I have been through, you know? Like, when I forget that there's still kids struggling, when I continue on with my Honestly, when I first, you know, start continuing on with my life and moved on, I started to feel guilty that I know there's kids struggling. I started feeling guilty for, like, you know, throwing it piece of food away or whatever it is because there is many kids who are hungry around the world. I start to feeling guilty for talking back to my parents because some kids wish they have parents. You know, sometimes I felt bad for I think about those moments where I complain about maybe food, you know, me who lived through hard times and did not have food. That there's kids who wish at least they have something on their place to eat, you know. Maybe a piece of bread. Kids don't, some kids don't even, when I complain about maybe like, oh, I, I'm craving chocolate, you know, I want to go get it now. I feel bad because kids out there, they don't crave chocolate. They don't even know what chocolate is, you know. They they want something maybe normal as bread that I don't eat too. Yeah, they eat, want their you know? spaghetti to be cooked. They want. Yes, they, they want, want their spaghetti option. to be cooked. They want to 
when I'm complaining, oh, it's super cold or whatever, or I don't have a good winter jacket, I remember the times where we had to walk, I don't know how many miles to get to a car in the middle of the night where it was freezing in short sleeves, you know. It's like, I, who am I to blame others when I am the one who, you know, sometimes do those things? I'm the one who experienced those things, but also does those things, you know. I, I don't know. Sometimes I just get those moments. So it's like, I don't know. Well, it's survivor's guilt, right? That's what they call it. And you start to settle yeah. into this new life. And it's, the first thing I'll say is you're allowed to be cold now, you know. You're allowed to crave chocolate now and you don't have to. Yeah, I, you're going to. Psychologically, you've been through so much, but your problems of today are problems, and they're less severe problems by a, a wide margin, exponentially, but I hope you don't feel guilty for having a bad day now. Yeah, I, that was in the beginning, as I said, like when I first started moving on, you know. That's yeah. why it was very hard for me. Like, I think I was in seventh grade, um, I did not, when I came to this country, I did not speak English at all. I spoke zero English. All I know were my ABCs. Uh, I failed most of my classes in seventh grade, except for math. It was very easy for me to pass. But um, as in eighth grade, I met a teacher, amazing teacher, that probably changed my life. And I know she changed many other students' lives. And then, until this day, I text her and tell her, you're amazing. Every day, I text her and tell her, you're great. Because she kicked that child that I was where I was very, I don't know, not motivated, did not want to do anything, just sick of life, don't want to continue on, don't want to succeed. I don't know. I just don't want to do anything. You know, I, I, I did not want to be a child. And I did not want to do anything, really. I kept like crying almost, having, I don't know, I think it's the effect that I had moving so much I did not want to learn English but she took me in and she told me it's okay that I am that way and indeed she taught me a lot she taught me all the English skills that I know now like the way I'm talking to you right now I did not learn anything new in the past six years other than her teaching me um so it's just that at that time, I was that kind of person where I felt guilty about many things. That's why I did not want to do anything. But right now, I have a lot of problems. And I guess the reason I want to share this story is not only because people should know about it, that people should be aware that that refugees, maybe not only Syrian, but every refugee have a story. And every story is unique. And oh, I bet you have some, I bet you have your own story too. So it's it's like when you hear someone else's story that's more difficult than yours, your your worries get less, you know, or your your things that you're going through get less, you know, I don't know how to say it, it get less uh, I can't get the word. It's like if I'm going through something hard and it's super hard that I can't get through it, but then I hear someone's story who's who went through something harder and get over it and actually succeeded, you know. It, my own worry get uh, less difficult to manage, you know. I I think, oh, I can't go through this. If she went through this, I can go through this. If you know, like, thanks God, I I I was able to succeed in high school. I got a good scholarship that covers my four year of college. Um. There's opportunities in this country and honestly take advantage of it, you know. And when you have a big worry, just think about all the other people who have their own stories and their own worries and their own difficulties and yours will get less difficult. I think that's the message I'm trying to send out there. It's a beautiful message. It's a really beautiful message. And I love when you said that, you know, you fled a war. You're sitting in all the trauma of that. You don't want to try as a kid. You meet one teacher 
who gets in your corner and inspires you. And then you started off the call by saying, next week you're starting college? That's a, what a victory. I'm sitting here proud of you. I'm sitting here proud of, there's something for me. And, and, you know, I'm proud of you. And also that's the side of my country that I am proud of that. I'm not proud of people going, ISIS is here. I'm not proud of people having no. Yes. But then the idea that you can learn English when you get here and now you're going, and you said it's in the Boston area. I I don't know. There's some good school. I hope it's MIT or Harvard or something, but it could be any number of good schools in the Boston area. I'm not that smart, but it's a good school. Yeah, you're smarter than I am. Smarter than I am. A whole bunch of good schools up there. Emerson's up there. That's that's like the comedy college. Look it up. uh, That's cool. That's but so honestly, cool. like, I'm proud of you for that. People, That's awesome. Americans here, I really, I really want them to try hard. Like, they really can do it. Like, you know, they really can get. My friends in high school used to be like, "Oh, I'm good. For, I, I failed this class. I don't even have a chance." No, you do have a chance. You know, you do have a way, a long way to go. So put your best in it, and and you can succeed. There's a bunch of that. Opportunities here really take advantage of it, and as you said, there's a lot more positivity than negativity in this country. Um, that's how I was able to live here. You know, if there was more negativity, I would not even be happy now. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And even with the turmoil here, like you said, there's all these opportunities and chances, and so much of the turmoil right now is just driven by people going, we just all want access to those chances. We just all want access to those opportunities. And it's what a, this call, this phone call is blowing my mind and, and you're, you're 18 and you're able to explain it so well. And I'm sitting here getting. Oh, I'm glad. (laughs) I was nervous about, you know, it's the first time I tell, I tell the story that way so I did not I don't I don't know like the way told it if it was understandable or not I don't know I was just worried about that so um, not only is it understandable factually you've made it very understandable emotionally which is even more important and I'm sitting here going I'm sitting here going for the people who would make fun of you or the people who sit here and go we can't welcome refugees. I don't even think it's a political thing. I don't even think it's political to just say it's compassion, you know, like it's just about compassion and, and allowing someone to get their kids away from a situation where they're being shot at in their school because things have descended into such a lack of infrastructure and safety. And then I'm sitting here going, if any country should be full of accepting people, it should be us because so many of the groups in America right now, going back to the the pilgrims, they were fleeing. The Irish were yeah. fleeing. The, the Italians were fleeing. So the Cubans, Dominicans, dictatorships, and so many down the line, right? Like the the Mormon community in Utah. I, I you know I do remember after um after the hurricane hit New Orleans. Famously, the Mormon community took in a ton of people from Louisiana, and you go, yes, that's because you had to flee. You had to flee throughout America until you landed in a place that was safe. So it just uh, and and it's easy for me to be here on a soapbox from the comfort of my my new house in the country where I've never had to deal with anything. But if any group of people should have a knee-jerk reaction to be compassionate and accepting and welcoming to people who are fleeing from something else, it should be us. And when you said before you go, you know, my aunt loved America and said it was all these great things and it's really not that, I'm going, that's on us. We have to realize we have lost sight of who we can be and who we have been. We've lost sight of it. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's due to hate and it's due to people fanning the flames of divisiveness for their own gain. It's because of a culture where information comes at us so fast and the people who gain attention and make the most money off of that information 
know that inciting us in to the extremes is what's going to get them the clicks. It's really, <laughs> it's really so sad to me that that was your, as your experience. And honestly, news and stuff like that don't tell full stories. They just put out what good for them or maybe what bring them views or whatever it is. But it's all, I think, another game. It's a, it's a war without guns. Uh, media is a really a war without guns. It's a war without guns. I've never said anything that simple and eloquent and beautiful in my entire life. And I talk professionally for a living, both via this show and stand-up. And I've never nailed something that hard. It's a war without guns. What a thing to hear from an 18-year-old. Okay, we'll be back right after this. Okay, everybody, that's it. No more breaks. Let's finish off the phone call. Media is a really a war without guns. Yeah, kid kill someone or a kid. You know, when I went to the Damascus, to the capital, I can't imagine what it is like. When I went to the Damascus, the capital, just right next to my city, where my city was being bombed and a bunch of people were killed. People in Damascus did not even believe what I was going through. They did not believe it. They really did not. They thought we were crazy. Like, they did not believe that things like that happening. So that's how how much there is hidden stories in the world. If If that was hidden, then how many other places around there in the world where are going through such a thing, but no one's telling their stories or no one is, you know, isn't that what media for, but no, they don't do that. Yeah. So it's tough. Cause I never want to sit here and go fake news, fake news, because that's a whole other demonizing the press invalidates yeah. it. But show me the person, show me the person who totally trusts the news industry right now. Show me that person who doesn't yeah. have some misgivings or doubts about it because it's these networks and not, you know, certainly some more egregious than others, but people on all yeah. ends of the spectrum, it's 24 hours now. It has to be as much entertainment as it does actual yeah. reporting. And it, it, it transforms it into what gets the most ratings instead of what are the stories that most need to be told. And it's really, yeah. really scary. I was actually telling my mom, it feels weird to live in a country for that long. You know, like six years, pretty long for me. Uh, I changed school every year since kindergarten up until my ninth grade. Even seventh grade was a different school in my eighth grade. So it really felt weird for me. I don't know. It just, I feel like I just want to move. But then, do I really need to? No, I don't need to. So I can stay, you know. <laughs> It's a good feeling, but it's a bad feeling too at the same time. It's uh, it's remarkable that you, in such a short turnaround, I mean, for you to say ninth grade was the first time you had any stability in your schooling, you're bouncing literally from country to country throughout that those ages, you have nothing. And languages, we're talking about, maybe you can say, oh, Egypt is a, is a country where they speak Arabic, yeah. But their accent is just so different from mine. I cannot understand them when I first start. Yeah. It's so different, really. Even in, in Saudi Arabia, I went there for like first grade, and I can't remember anything from what they taught me. I went to a private school. Like Things were really good back in Saudi Arabia, but I lost everything due to the war, obviously. But um, I remember learning things, and I really can't remember the accent, but now when I hear someone from Saudi Arabia talking, I'm like, what are they talking about? I don't understand them, really. So it was languages, culturals, um, different countries, and it was very weird, like all of those coming together. Well, that I identify with because I love, I love my Northern Irish roots, but I don't know what any of them <laughs> are talking about. And if I, I've tried to have conversations with people from Glasgow, too, and it's... It's, it's not it's not always the easiest for my American ears. I'm not judging them. It's just weird. Yeah. It's it's tough. I know that, but you're going to college after all that. And uh, yes, <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's it's so 
right? That's that's the way it goes and sometimes. You, you have one of the saddest stories I've ever heard, and then, but you got that at the you got that victory, and that's one of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard. Honestly, like I don't really. If times went back, would I still go through the same thing, or would I just choose a normal childhood? I don't think I would choose a normal childhood because it really who I am today. Like my story is made me the person I am on today. What I went through was the thing, you know, like I don't think I would ever in the world want to be, I want to, by the way, I want to go to college in biomedical, uh, bio, molecular biology and pre-medical studies. I'm thinking of continuing medical school, but um, I don't think in the world I would ever think of something called doctors without order. And I don't think I would want to do that, but I want to do that. I want to go and help people who might have been in a situation like my brother did back in the days where no one was able to help. You know, it's like, I have a story behind why I want to do that. And I think everyone has a story behind why they want to do something in their life or why did they become who they are, you know, today. So, but yeah, it's a very, it's a positive as I said, the reason I don't tell it a lot because people think it's a negative story, but it's actually a really positive story, you know. It's a I went through a lot, yes, many bad things happened, yes. But it made me stronger, made me more mature, maybe not as much as so mature, but a little more mature. Um it made me realize things maybe no one would ever realize and yeah. That's uh you're cool. You're real cool. That's my. That's. I'm Thank you. I don't even know what to say. You're cool too. <laughs> I'm not that cool. I'm an, a, a balding forty-year-old white man whose life has had few problems. It's, it's uh, and let me ask you. It doesn't seem like the. I guess it. Well, it's 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 like there's like a hundred more important questions, but so you you get to your school in ninth grade. You don't know English yeah. and yeah. kids are giving you a hard time. By the end, did you build a support network? Did you have friends? Yeah, 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 definitely. I actually joined an amazing program that were like a second family. Changed a lot of my perspective on America in general. It's a trio program. It's all around in America, but in my area I had one. Um so it was very good. I actually, my best friends are from there. I met amazing teachers. I actually did a lot of things in high school. I was part of NHS. I did sports. I did volleyball, cross country. I did not do these things until like my junior year, sports and stuff, just because I did not even know that there's something called sport that I can do. You know? And I did not have to know what am I doing and I can join. And, um, I did the press entry. It was very fun. It was my favorite thing I have ever done in high school. Um, I was a, a pleasure, you know. I feel like the people who bullied me in eighth grade or seventh grade, I really had a hard time. They come to me right now in high school and, and tell me they're sorry. Like one of them really came to me and said that she's sorry of how ignorant she was. That's why I think I don't really blame kids anymore. It's just that they don't know. And right now, there's a lot more resources for them to go search. I feel like if a if an 11 or 12 grader came to me telling me a bunch of ignorant stuff, that's what I'm going to blame them because they have social media right now. They have internet. They can go and search up what they're talking about before they come and say it, you know. So people really change. And I feel we're just super immature to immature. And everyone change by since eight, from 8th grade all the way to 12th grade. Like me, I was the very shy kid who said always back and who always received hate and bullying and stuff like that. I became someone who was loved by her school, you know. They really loved me. They they voted for me as a treasure. They, they always used to say hi in the hallway. Even though I stopped at volleyball, they would come and scream my name and stuff. <laughs> It, 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 it was really fun times, honestly. Like people do change. You find your community in the end, or sense of community. But I just wish I had found it earlier. You know, I 
I just wish, you know, I, but I don't really regret it. I learned a lot of things and it, it made me realize that like my friends, I have, I don't have that many close friends in like high school to a personal level friend, but you know, having one friend who was from different school who really supported me all the way from ninth grade up until now is really something good, you know, having one friend is good. Like, I don't, maybe like I lost connection with all the others now during the thing that's going on because we can now go to school. But, um, really like those friends, are, you know, don't even equal that one friend. So having one friend in life will really understand you or maybe not completely understand you, just support you, encourage you, tell you to do something. Maybe she's not as a great student, but she's amazing. She She's a, my biggest supporter. She's probably bigger supporter than my parents, I'd say. So, yeah, I had that sense of community in the end. Really cool Good. sense of community. Yeah. And how's the rest of your family doing? Are they, uh, are they excelling as well? Yeah, they're really good. Um, my mom, my dad went to college here, community college. He actually had an engineering degree back in Syria, but um, obviously when you come here, you can't work with your degree from outside the U.S. So you have to go to college and do stuff, but he did not speak English, so he did HVAC something, and he's working with, like, on his own. He, like, uh, take houses people buy houses, tell him to come and fix it and stuff. And he does the job for them. So, and my mom is a, a PCA personal care assistant. She, um, really worked hard the past, uh, five years. And, um, we got a house now and my dad did the renovation and all of that. So my family is really excelling. I think they're doing a really good job better than a lot of people. And my brother is now a senior in high school. I have a little brother who is uh, going to his fifth grade and a sister who was born in Egypt. She's going to her second grade. But uh, I think the only biggest effect of the word that left, I think it was on my third brother, the one who's going to fifth grade, who was only two years old when the war happened. But you can imagine how much it could grow from two years old to four years old. It's like, or, you know, like, or up to. No, actually, he was born maybe in 2011. So from two, from being born up to three years old, you can imagine how much they should know. And, you know, it's something like swing or whatever it is. The first time he saw swing in his life, he's like, what is, what is this? You know, he did not know about it. And I think uh, he was scared the first time he saw a car because he cannot cross the street. He did not, first time he see a car, you know. And... um it's still affecting until now. I feel like he still have like kind of like awkwardness, but he's doing very good job. He, we're taking him to therapy and stuff. He's doing very good job. Honestly, I'm proud of them. Proud of all my siblings. And you know what I noticed? You said that your dad is building yeah. houses. Your mom's providing personal care. You're aiming to be a doctor. I can't help but notice that you've all set out um, to do things in the service of others. Yeah. My dad is like always, uh, since we were young, yes, we had a lot. When we were in Arabia, my dad has a fact, had a factory. We were like, I would say upper class and maybe like really good. Well, off. I mean, you used to travel a lot, do a bunch of stuff. I don't know. Many things. My dad had like a Mercedes, which was like very expensive back there. And, it was very well, but he always tells me, like, we lost all of that in, like, a split of a second. And what did this degree do? Really did nothing, you know? Assistant engineer, it did nothing for him. So he always tells me that education in the right place is the best thing you can do, you know? Like, go get your education. Go get your degree. Go do what you can do, you know? Because money really won't last, but education will, will last no matter what, you know? Like, he had his skills from his education, doing painting, I don't know, doing the floors, the ceilings, the electricity, all of that. He had them from his education. So that's why he always, always, always uh, make sure that we as a kids are aware of education. It's very important because no matter where you're in the world, if you have your education, you'll have 
a respect the people will respect you and people and you will find a job a decent job or you will be able to at least continue life you know so I think my dad is the <laughs> the one who really say all of that and do you do you plan on staying in the states yeah I think I do um I'm very thankful for America. Um, it really the first place I felt safe, maybe other than Saudi Arabia, you know, it's the first time I felt safe was in here. That's so it gave me a home, a school to go to. I did not go, when the war happened, I did not go to school for two years. You know, the first time I went to school was back in Egypt. But then in Egypt, it was a terrible experience. But uh, I felt like, at least welcome, maybe not in the beginning, but in the end right now, it's a good life, you know? And my family is around. So I don't think I would want to, people ask me out of all the places you lived at, oh, where did you like the most? Or where where do you want to go back and live again? Even if Syria went back to normal, I would not go live there. I would want to live in a place where all my family are around, whether it's in America, in Europe, in on on the moon, whatever it is, you know, I honestly don't care about places anymore. (laughs) I could take my stuff and just move anywhere my family is. (laughs) Yeah. And I hope, you know what? I'm going to say something cheesy. I'm going to say something a little bit Hallmark card, (laughs) but you're going to go, you're going to become a doctor. You're going to accomplish so much. You're going to become more comfortable with your story. It's going to inspire people. And then maybe, I don't know if this is a goal of yours, but maybe someday you'll have a kid and one day they'll just be playing Xbox on Twitch and they'll have new Nikes <laughs> and they won't realize that there's so yeah. many problems in the world. They won't even know how many big problems there are in the world. You yeah. Maybe someday you'll be blessed enough to raise an ignorant child who doesn't understand the pain of others. That's so bad. Oh my God. Uh that's so true. I feel like my sister is that kind of kid. Like she never really, she was young and things, all these things happened, but she's living a good life right now. She has her iPad and she sit on it all day long and yell at her like, what are you doing? And stuff like that. <laughs> but, it, must be, um, it must be, it must be, there must be a quiet joy in seeing that. Just like, yeah. good on you, kid. Enjoy your dumb iPad. Yeah. I'm glad you can't remember yeah. all the shit I remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've got a minute left. This one flew by. It really was eye opening. Really so glad. I'm so glad I got to hear it. I'm so glad people get to hear it. And it was uh, for somebody who was yeah. nervous about sharing. You, you, you really put so much out there. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. It's, uh, it feels good to let things out sometimes after holding it in for so long, you know. That's Um, what I'm all about. That's what I'm all about. I'm sure you have a thousand more stories as well. And, uh, yeah, your podcast really helps a lot of people. Uh, you know, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it does. And then sometimes it's just people talking about (laughs) like, you know, the time they threw up onto their own pants at a family (laughs) gathering or whatever. All of them are good though. It makes me laugh a lot of times. So, that's it, good. It makes me, that's good, right? It's that's good. good. I like providing a laugh here and there. If I can get, yeah. listen, if I can take somebody who had to flee like four different times, who was getting, seeing people get shot, who had neighbors, who got their, their limbs, uh, you know, destroyed. About, if I can make you laugh, well, I'll be damned if that's not why you sign up to be a comedian in the first place. <laughs> I'm not trying to yeah. I'm not out here trying to make all these comfortable people laugh I want the people who have had it hard to have a laugh so I'm glad to hear that and yeah. uh, you really this is very very eye opening I thank you for coming I got my mom hooked to your show oh, <laughs> she nice. knows love listening to it <laughs> alright hello to your mom she'd be surprised when she hear it <laughs> well you know what then let, let me end on this by saying I am a parent and uh I hope your mom understands that she had to fight harder for her family than most of us hopefully ever will, but that she got you guys through to a better place 
and that she should be super proud of you and super proud of herself because you guys Thank you. fought harder than anybody. So mom, if you're hearing this, understand that you, uh, you are a miraculous and inspiring person as well. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a good one. And All not right. just like a good Thank one today, like the rest of your life. I, I, I May it be easy and pleasant and calm. Thank you so much. <laughs> Call her, go to college, become a doctor, kick the shit out of everything in life, and uh, enjoy it. Just like I said at the end, enjoy a happy life. That's all I want for you and your family. This call uh, blew my mind in all the best ways. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Anita Flores. Thank you to Shell Shag for the music. You uh, listen to Beautiful Anonymous on Apple Podcasts. You know what? You subscribe. Go uh, hit follow on Spotify, hit favorite on Stitcher. And if you want to check out the whole back catalog, it's on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash stories. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time.